0: Okay, this morning, we want to get into uh, some teaching in Romans, and I want to actually begin to, to bring a, I think, and I usually don't do this, and God might not have me do it, but I think he wants me to, a series of teaching in, in the book of Romans. Uh, we've stated before, and I believe it with so many other men of God, that, that Romans, the eighth chapter, there's 39 verses there, And it's been called the gospel within the gospel. In other words, it spells out God, the good news of God in Christ, like nowhere else. And it's very, very foundational. And as we know, when we begin to study these, just to give us a little bit of a background, uh, in beginning in Romans, the third chapter, which it speaks about, justification by faith in Christ alone by grace alone we're justified we've been declared guiltless because of Jesus Christ it wasn't anything that we did it wasn't any merit wasn't any performance we didn't budge he did everything so we've been justified in Romans 3 25 and 26 and then in the fourth chapter of, of Romans, we see where Paul is quoting Psalm 32, 1 and 2, where he says in Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And, and he doesn't. In other words, and the word impute is logizomai, to put to our account. These are all the things that are ours in Christ. And, you know, course he doesn't do that and it's all on the principle as we see in romans the fourth chapter in verses 19 20 21 and 22 it's all based on the principle of faith and faith means its dependence upon jesus christ who he is and what he has accomplished that's why in ephesians 2 8 it says that you and i are saved which means to be delivered you and I are saved by grace Through faith, it says Through the fact that we depended On Jesus Christ That he was the only way To save us from a godless eternity And then able In 1 Peter 1, verse 5 To keep us Through that power And uh, What an incredible thing it is To consider these things Then in, So it's faith And even that faith in Ephesians 2 9 is not of ourselves. But it's a gift of God. And why is it called the gift of God? Because God gave us free will. And then He prompts and engineers circumstances so that with that free will, hopefully, we go positive and use our free will to depend faith to depend upon Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. Then in the fifth chapter of Romans, we see that we, we stand in grace. We have peace in Romans 5.1. We have peace with God. It's not let us have, like so many will teach, but really or through wrong um, interpretations of the original languages. But it's we have peace with God. And we stand in grace in Romans 5, 2. And this grace that that came towards us was given to us, and while we were yet without strength, it says, in Romans 5, verse 6. We were without any strength at all. And And then we were sinners, active sinners in Romans 5, verse 8. We were actively sinning when this grace came towards us. And even more so, in a stronger sense we were saved and we received through what Christ did in his sacrifice through his laid down life and the blood that was shed much more in Romans 5 9 and Romans the fifth chapter is dealing with the much mores that we have we have much more in Christ and so then in Romans the fifth chapter and in the tenth verse If we were, when we were enemies, if when we were enemies, if and we were at one point (laughs) were enemies, we were reconciled to God through Christ, then it says much more, being reconciled, we will be delivered by his life. So, in other words, it's his life that we continually have that keeps us living in a deliverance that's ours through him. This is what all of this is teaching. But then we see in the 6th chapter of Romans, of course, in 6, 1, and 15, God forbid, should we sin, that grace may abound. And of course, we know the answer, we shouldn't. And we're thankful that the old man, the old eye, that sin, nature, in Romans 6, 1 through 6, was crucified. He couldn't change it. We said before in Jeremiah 30, verse 12, their wound was incurable. So we were crucified in Christ, that we accept that he died for us and died as us. We've been crucified. And that's a, an amazing thing to understand. The old eye has been crucified with him. We were baptized into his death. We are risen brand new in his life. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 says verse 17 is teaching us old things are past tense passed away behold all things are new watch what it says in him and where are we located the moment we received him in him and when we want to find out what it means to be in him and the teaching on that then we go to the book of Ephesians but we're not going to go there now but the truth is is that's where we're in we're in Christ we're not in our flesh Though t- at times, we can operate in it, but it's not who we are. Thank God it's not who we are. So then we can, what we can do is realize that in Romans 6, verse 9, he that died once dies no more. Huh? Death has no more dominion over. Him. That's what it means for us in Christ. Having died once in him through receiving him, as our Savior and the fact that we died with him we die no more we die no more death has no more dominion over us because in Hebrews 2 14 and 15 he destroyed him who had the power of death he destroyed him he he won the victory and made us as we'll see in Romans 8 verse 37 more than conquerors why are we more than conquerors? because in him he has conquered everything conquered the world system Satan the flesh he did he fulfilled the law and did away with it and now all we have that's all we have is his life (laughs) to live and it's an incredible thing and he yearns and desires and is there for us to live in us one with us in every single thing that we do it's his it's his unbelievable desire to to live in us and one with us and then we become in ourselves first in 2nd Corinthians 3 2 and 3 a written epistle we know how to think about ourselves in God's presence through Christ being one with us and who we are we know how to define ourselves we have God's greatest definition of who we are we have Christ in us God defines us through Jesus Christ how do we define ourselves? Oh. Then we know, we're, we're taught in, in, in Romans the sixth chapter, that we're to yield ourselves. We're to reckon ourselves indeed dead unto sin, but alive un, unto God through Jesus Christ. Right? So we reckon ourselves. We don't pray for each circumstance and situation that we would die to that particular thing. No, the Bible never teaches that this day in a series of things that God is going to teach us to die to this thing. No, in a series of circumstances and things that happen to us in our life with Christ in us, individually, one with us, defining who we are, he's going to teach us that we are to reckon that we were already dead in him and the proof is he's life in us because he died once and he ever lives, he lives unto God and he ever lives in us as we live unto God and it's incredible truth that we need to constantly realize because here's the unfortunate thing for some and here's what can happen when we don't have the the right preaching and the right teaching that come from God's word that's what we need and of course we know God's word is Jesus Christ so many get and and they're Christians and they're born again God loves them they love God the best that they can in the capacity where they are but they get stuck in Romans the 7th and if you look in Romans, and I circled it one time, and you see all these little black, you can't see them from here, some here, these little black circles are all I, me, and myself. Forty times. Forty times when we get stuck in Romans 7, we get stuck in self. Self-evaluation through thoughts about, our, about ourselves, and then we interpret. How God thinks about us through thoughts that we have about ourselves that aren't of Him. <laughs> and there's where the struggle is, there's where the performance comes, and we so want to change, and we cry out, Oh God, change me. And the Holy Spirit, taking the things of Christ with Christ in us, cries out, I crucified what you so want to be changed I've already crucified it and I am your life I am your life and we've said before we are not trying to live the Christian life that's performance that's trying to take the law <laughs> the dues we said the other night in Deuteronomy 4 verse 1 the law says do this and live <laughs> do and live where Christianity is receive Christ who is your life. That's why we teach we are not trying through performance to live the Christian life and eke out enough of our own righteousness so that maybe God will accept us. When the reality is in Ephesians 1 verse 6, we are already, past tense, we were accepted in the beloved, in his son. But so many get stuck in Romans, the 7th chapter. Now, how many believers never really get out of Romans 7? They don't. So many don't. How many are still there? How many, because maybe they haven't been taught, will take for granted that they are out of Romans 7? And that's the truth of the matter. The truth is, even though scores of believers struggle in Romans 7, that is not who they are in Christ and is not God's definition or view of them. It's not. But here's what happens. We've been taken out of it through Jesus Christ. Out of all of that, God does not know us after our struggles. He doesn't know us after failure. He only knows us in Christ who did away with all of it. It's the only way he knows us. And you and I, we cannot hear this enough. We won't be able to hear this kind of those these things enough until we see him face to face. Because until then we know in part and we need to continue to learn. But of course, when we see him face to face, like certain of our loved ones are viewing him and and themselves in him without interruption in an eternal sense, they know even as they are known. But we can learn, even still now, we can learn to know even as we are known. And that only happens when the Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us. And he's showing them unto us by Christ being in us and one with us, isn't that amazing? You think about it; it is incredible. Well, what happens is when we, at times, like so many, will live in Romans seven, and live in these struggles. The whole while, we don't experience the full, perfect redemption. That is ours. We don't. We can't really know and experience the fact that, is our, that it's ours. It's ours, but we don't experience it. Now, what happens? What is it? You know Hebrews ten verse two. It says that you and I, and Christ doesn't have to keep repeating his sacrifice. But you and I, what is it like to have no more conscience of sins? what's that like well that's who we are in christ that's that's to be our experience It's to have no more conscience of sins remember what david was praying he prayed incredibly that he said in psalm 51 verse 6 you desire truth in the inward parts he said in psalm 51 10 creating me a clean heart and then he said in Psalm 51 verse 14 deliver me from blood guiltiness his conscience was condemning him there was truth about what Messiah was going to come and do in the future and his faith could look forward to it and say it was his but still his conscience would condemn him that's what happens to a lot of believers their conscience condemns them because they don't know what is theirs in Christ and there's no more conscience of sin and when that doesn't take place when we you and I in certain areas of our life don't have the truth of having no conscience of sins then what happens? This is what happens that you and I can't tell that God is really for us is God really for us? if I try to bear the weight of having the consciousness of sins on me and if I know myself after my struggles and I know myself after failure can I really know in my experience that God is for me even though the truth of the matter is as we'll see in Romans 8 verse 31 and in Psalm 56 verse 9 that God is for us but the truth of it is this that Christ rose from the dead if God wasn't for us would Christ have risen from the dead if he didn't accomplish everything for the Father the proof that all of our sins are dealt with the proof that God the Father is completely satisfied with Christ and who we are in him is the resurrection right in Romans 8 verse 11 He he was resurrected by the Spirit, right? God. (laughs) And would he have been risen if that hadn't taken place, if God wasn't pleased with Christ and pleased with who we are in him? See, is God looking for anything in us? Oh, boy. That puts us right back on performance again. That puts us right back there it really does and it's going to take a while for God to present all of this truth that's ours in Christ it is and I'm looking forward to it and uh, and I'm sure all you guys are too (laughs) but I am really looking forward to it because you and I cannot hear enough what is eternal truth (laughs) that's right Romans 10 Verse 17, faith, dependence, comes by hearing, submission under, and hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? Hearing who we are in Christ, because Christ is the word of God, who we are in him and who he is in us. And he longs for you and I to know exactly in a very individual way who we are in him who we are in him and who he is in us. So they get stuck. Many get stuck. And at times we all do. We get stuck and then we get into the I, me's, and I. But this is just for this morning, this is just a brief introduction into all that God wants to give us in these chapters here in an incredible way. And really he wants to lay the foundation in us so that we know how to build a proper relationship through knowing who Christ is in us and who we are in him. We will know how to be a house, a temple of God built up. We will know just how much he has accomplished for God on our behalf because He doesn't want us to live as a believer in Romans seven, self, I. You look at it, Romans seven, verse seven, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known, and then verse eight, you see the me, so there's two I's already in seven. It's I, there's a me in verse eight. There's an eye, two eyes in verse 9. And that's with two eyes, you're not gonna see right, because those two eyes are about self. Really. It's self trying to work out what Christ has already accomplished. No wonder we struggle. No wonder we feel like such, we feel like such failures. When in reality, our failure is dealt with by Jesus Christ, and we are more than conquerors in him. That's how God knows us. How do we know ourselves? How do we know each other? Woo. That's a huge one, isn't it? I can only know who you are as a believer in Christ when I know who I am. That means we have a proper relationship. We know how to relate to one another. And 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 we don't know any after the flesh why because Romans 8 verse 9 you are not in the flesh if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you how does it come that the spirit of God dwells in us through receiving Christ who he is and what he's accomplished then the spirit comes in that's how we know we're not in the flesh Yes, but sometimes I act in it and I fail in it. That's correct. But who paid for it? Who really did pay for it? And who am I really in God's sight? And there's where loving chastisement will come in. Not punishing us for that failure, but correcting us in love back into the place of sonship to realize that's been paid for. All you have to do now in 1 John 1, 9 is confess it, name it, recognize that Christ dealt with it, agree with the fact that he he paid for it. And then God will bring in, the Holy Spirit, a godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, that is never to be regretted. But the world, there's a worldly sorrow that there is regret for constantly and there's where the flesh is there's where the struggle is and by the way we are not of the world that's right because remember who conquered it for us on our behalf that's why Paul said in Galatians 6 verse 14 he said God forbid watch what he said there now that I should glory (laughs) all those eyes check them out sometime Maybe I counted them wrong, but I think there's about 40 of them there. He said, God forbid that I should glory, and God does in his unbelievable love through us, through his Son, forbid us to glory in this I. God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of Jesus Christ. What does it say? Of whom the world is crucified unto me, and I of the world. In Galatians 6, 14, he did all that. So, here's this reality is this, and then we'll close with this because, again, this is just a little a prelim to us getting what God has for us. Here's what happens when I live in Romans, the seventh chapter. And this is why God allows it. This is why he allows it. He allows it Because we know in Hebrews 12, verse 14, that without holiness, no man will see the Lord. In other words, without holiness, we can't experience God. We can't. But in God's sight, in Jesus Christ, have we been made holy. Well, why do you think it's called, we're called saints? (laughs) Well, remember in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 both he that sanctifies makes holy and them that are holy through him who made them holy are all of one Whoa. do you mean to say that God never sees me outside of who Christ is in me and who I am in Christ that's what Hebrews 2 11 says and that's why he is not ashamed to call us brethren. There's no shame. There's no shame for him calling us that. But how quickly we can in performance, and performance just simply means living in the instinct of self-righteousness. That's performance, folks. (laughs) That's all that we can do. That's all that we can do is live in the instinct of self-righteousness through performance. And when we do, we turn from Christ's work. Think about it. What he's already accomplished in us and for us before his Father. What do we do? We turn from Christ's work and begin to turn to our own holiness. We've got to do something so that God will accept us. That's why a lot of Christians still cry out, God, change me. And God cries back, I couldn't. So I crucified you and I gave you my son as your very life in Colossians 3 verse 4. He's your life. Now just simply receive what's yours in him and allow him in you To have intimacy with, with God the Father. Have a fellowship. I mean, he's given us a nature, didn't he? That's capable of fellowshipping with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us that. That's ours. We already have everything. Now it just takes total reliance on him and it takes him... Through a process of growth in 2 Peter 3 verse 18 to cause us to decrease in what isn't ours that we try to perform in and what we struggle in and to increase in John 3 verse 30 what's ours already in him as he's already made himself one with us through us simply receiving him by faith through grace. Listen, it's by faith alone by grace alone, by Christ alone. But it's all ours. And, and so, what do we get? What do we get? Even the desires for holiness, do we have that desire. If you're a Christian, you have Christ in you, and you have a desire for holiness, That only that desire comes from who you are in Christ. <laughs> That's where it comes from. That's literally where it comes from, Christ in you. He, he desires for you to live in who you are in Him and who He is in you. Very key, very, very key. And, and it's awesome to experience these things. So what does God want to do? He wants... What we do when we struggle is we get into performance when we, try, when we function outside of who we are in Christ. We're trying to, to get a self-righteousness through performance... And we're trying to get acceptance to something that we believe that God wants us to do <laughs> so that you and I can get peace. <laughs> if I can finally get to this point, then I'll have peace. Well, no, that's not what the Bible says. The peace is already ours. The peace we don't experience is when we function outside of who we are in Christ. There's where our struggles are. And what does God do? He allows it because what does he want to do? He wants to break up false peace. He wants to break it up. And boy, how many Christians. Boy, and we all have done it. And I, I can do it just as easily, probably easier than most. God has a plan. He wants to break up that false peace. Because that all has to do with works and striving. It's living in Romans 7. But what does he do? He allows it to happen in us so that you and I can humbly learn what we are outside of him. And he doesn't see us. He doesn't see us in what we are outside of him, but he'll use it to show us what we are in him and say, finally, I'm sick of this. This is nowhere. This is no, wait a minute, that's not right teaching. Wait a minute, that's not who I am in Christ. I don't have to perform I don't have to do certain things to feel holy or to feel like I'm accepted by God I'm already accepted in him and then his life his love in me if he wants me to participate with him in certain things he will give me the most beautiful freeing peace to do them without any struggle without any performance and boy I will begin to know the truth because he's one with me. Think about that. He who is truth is one with you and I right inside of us. He's one with us. And he's not ashamed. Not ashamed at all. It's amazing when we think about it. But he allows it. Listen, as we close this morning, this is the truth of the matter. God is not looking for an improved condition in ourselves. (laughs) You just did some bad things. That's not right. You need to improve. Really? How's the only way we're going to live trying to improve ourselves, but in ourselves, (laughs) outside of what Christ has already accomplished? Listen, the Bible never teaches. The doctrine of change God please change me in this area he teaches you what you couldn't change has been crucified you have a brand new life you have a brand new life it's called the doctrine of exchange you exchange the old (laughs) for the new that is the symbol and Even in baptism, by the way, it's not only making a public declaration that Christ is your savior, but when you went down in baptism, that's a picture of you being one with Christ. He's dying for you and as you and burying and dealing with all of your sins. And then you come back up and brand new resurrection life. We're to only, how do we deal with things that we're not of? How do we deal in issues and things in our life that aren't of God? Through the resurrection life of who we are in Christ. It's the only way to do it. What will deal with the darkness in us that's not of God, that's not of Christ? It's going to be light. It's going to... The revelation of the truth never changes. Who I am in Christ never changes. But the illumination of that revelation and truth ever grows and will for all eternity. and that, But right now, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit illuminates continually to us. This is who you are in Jesus Christ. He is your light. And the Holy Spirit is, is like the power source that comes in and takes what's ours of Christ and lights it up so that we don't live in darkness, the darkness of performance, the darkness of struggle, the darkness of lies, living hopelessly, trying to perform what's already been done and accomplished in Christ. So we'll close with this. Listen. God does not want us to fall into the trap of looking for his help in certain areas. doesn't. He doesn't want us to look for his help. He wants us to look for what Christ has accomplished in his work for us. Here's where we' got to make these grow and make these adjustments in our life. That's where we have to grow and make these adjustments. We are crying out, help me. And God, through the Holy Spirit, is saying, no, you're not looking to his work. You want him to help you in this struggle to get peace. But you already have peace through his work that's already been accomplished. You see, there's a huge difference. And it will take us time. And grow in these truths that we hear that's why we need to hear them over and over again we don't ever want to be one of those believers one of those christians who will say oh i've already heard that i know that <laughs> oh i was taught that 10 20 30 years ago i already know it." well none of us in first corinthians 8 two and three know anything like we ought to in other words and knowing it we don't know it like we ought to means do you think we'll ever come to the full conclusion of how God knows us in Christ <laughs> and it's awesome to understand you know the simplest thing we can do is just become like little children and just tell me I do it if I don't understand things this big theological thing. I don't understand. I say, I'll just close and say, okay, God, tell me. This is what I do. I say, listen, if you want me to tell them, God, I think I better know it. <laughs> I think I have to know it. I know I I want to know it for me, too. And I don't want to just know it so I can tell you <laughs> or tell anybody. You know, I want to know it because I've got to have Christ. I have to. I'm... God by his grace doesn't mean that I don't fail. But it just means that I cannot have him enough. I can't. I so want intimacy with him. And I don't want anything that interrupts it. And when there are interruptions through failures and struggles and so forth, I still know that my position in him hasn't changed. It doesn't change. My struggles don't change who I am in him. And they don't change who you are in Him. And they don't change His love for you. And they don't change His acceptance of you. And they don't change His plan for you. That, that, nothing could change it because God is love. <laughs> That's right. And He is personal love in Christ, one with you. And the Holy Spirit wants to continually take that and show it to us. Listen, you and I don't want help. We think we do, but we don't. We want righteousness. We want to be in a right relationship with him. Oh, and by the way, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, of him are you in Christ Jesus, who was made unto us. Think about it. So when he went and died on the cross and gave his life for us, he was made unto us. Oh, my God. He was made unto us. Wisdom. You need wisdom? James 1.5 ask of God because Jesus himself is that wisdom and he's yours he's been made that for you and I oh I don't understand this big theological thing just relax trust God and he will show you but he will give you and I things that maybe are beyond our capacity to keep us hungering so our capacity can grow and then he can fit that in but it's still (coughs) ours It's still ours, so we can trust in him. So he's establishing, while our capacity grows, is trust in us. And of course, there are certain people like my wife, Jane. She has amazing, her virtuous patience, just like mine. (laughs) And uh, I'm growing. And we need, and I need to let patience have her perfect work in me. That I can be realize how entire I am in him. But it's going to be... I have to give God patience, and I have to give myself grace to be patient, to have a capacity to be able to receive these things. But they're already ours. We just have to trust him. We just have to trust him. Listen, you and I don't want help. We want righteousness, and we have it in Christ, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him of God are you in Christ Jesus who's made unto us wisdom righteousness do you mean to tell me in Christ Jesus the moment I received him I was placed positionally in Christ in a perfect right relationship with God absolutely that's what the Bible teaches where's the performance what were you and I doing when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross was he dealing with things just between him and his father was he all alone on that cross? Did he do it once in Hebrews 10, 10? Did he perfect us forever, those that have been set apart in him, in Hebrews 10, 14? Yeah. Now, in a process of growth, he's going to show us those things. But in the meantime, he's got to teach us patience, okay? Because we're going to want to run ahead of him and on our own understanding try to acquire these things through a performance and he's not going to have that because he's not going to have us glorying in the flesh but only glorying in his son in whom he glories so we'll wrap this up with this all this does is it leads you and I to see that you and I cannot find What we seek for, but only in Christ. (laughs) Think of the struggles that we get stuck in. We're seeking for what is ours, already ours in Christ, but we're doing it by the wrong way. And there's so much teaching that's taught us that. But God has a beautiful plan. He's gonna He's gonna reduce that, and that's what He's doing at all. He's going to reduce that in John 3.30 so that we can live in this increase that's already ours. The moment we receive them, we got the full increase. Now he's just going to reveal it to us. He's going to reveal it to us and he's and he's going to show us that everything that we desire is not found in the old I, <laughs> the old performing, the old striving, the old struggles. But it's what? It's found in the new me Father, thank you. We praise you for the truth of your word. You always have done, and always in an eternal sense in and through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is in Christ. You always do it and that leads us into a love that passes knowledge. We will never come to the end, eternally, of how much God loves us. Never. So we thank you and praise you, Lord, for this truth. Prepare our hearts for even more of this, that we all need to experience what is ours. And God wants us to experience it in our present condition, what we already are in our eternal position. In Jesus' name.